Welcome to a very special episode of Write Good, the podcast that helps you write good. I'm Raquel S. Benedict, the most dangerous woman in speculative fiction. We finally reached our 100 subscriber goal on Patreon, and so, as promised, we are finally going to talk about Marion Engel's award-winning Canadian novel, Bear. Joining me today is the Ursane Podside Pete. Roar. Thank you for for coming on the show. Oh, absolutely my pleasure. I mean, <laughs> I I would have never read this book if I hadn't had a reason to. So thank you very much for uh, creating that reason. Now, the reason we chose this book is because it became kind of an internet meme, I think, on Tumblr. Someone posted a cover and it's this very 70s kind of Harlequin romance a uh, kind of pulpy cover of an illustration with a woman in the embrace of a, of a of a topless woman in the embrace of a bear and it's called bear and someone read the back of it and it's like wait because by the cover it looks like a romance novel between a woman and a bear so you read the back of it and you go wait this that's you're thinking it's a metaphor right like this is this is a me- <laughs> this cover is like a metaphor right no it is not it is. I mean, I mean, I'm sure the book it's it's symbolic, but in within the text, her relationship with the bear is 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 very physical. Uh, it's very real. She fucks the bear. Yeah, she has sex with a bear. You know, we we really could add the episode there. I mean, that's that's the biggest <laughs> yeah. bomb. <laughs> yeah, but this novel won the governor general's literary award which is one of canada's most prestigious literary prizes so that of course made me incredibly curious because if this was just like some kind of you know kindle porn about a woman fucking a bear like that there's there's so much of that there's so much kindle porn about getting fucked by werewolves getting fucked by dolphins whatever it's a market it, it is a market but this won an award so it's not just like fetish porn this has some serious literary chops apparently and marion engel was a serious well-respected novelist this is her fifth novel she was the chair of the writers union of canada she was a big fucking deal i will say that i walked into this book expecting and wanting to hate it and (laughs) it is extremely well written i can't contradict that it's one of the better books i've written in terms of 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 structure of description of pace like she does a really good job with what she decided to do yeah yeah she sounded snarky (laughs) she is she's a terrific writer and like I had no expectations. I I, I kind of thought it was going to be a little bit wacky almost. I was almost expecting some Chuck Tingle-esque kind of thing. But then yeah. I'm, reading, I'm reading the first page, and I'm just going to read the opening paragraph. In the winter, she lived like a mole, 
buried deep in her office, digging among maps and manuscripts. She lived close to her work and shopped on the way between her apartment and the Institute, scurrying hastily through the tube of winter from refuge to refuge, wasting no time. She did not like cold air on her skin. And when I saw the phrase, the tube of winter, like... It's it's such a perfect way to describe how your whole world narrows during winter. You know, you don't go out as much. You don't. You, you kind of stick to these same little places, and even the sidewalk gets narrower because of snow, and and the streets get narrower because of snow on on the edges of it. And and it's this tube of winter phrase. It also makes her sound even mousier. You know, you're picturing her like a like a hamster running between little mini cages and in tubes and i'm like wait shit is this a good book yeah yeah well i, I mean and there are all sorts of it's it's very it's very easy for me to skip through lightly the first 20 or so pages of a book because i mean honestly beyond establishing what's going on it 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 doesn't tend to grip you but I mean, I remember lots of little details from this book, like her running into the people from Quebec who were wearing brighter clothes. And she's like, hey, do, don't people wear their old clothes when they go up north anymore? I mean, just little things like that. Not important, but but thoughtful and and it really, really fleshing this out in a way that was interesting to me. But yeah, it's like it's really genuinely beautifully written. And that shocked me because you have such extraordinary writing talent and you you're, you're, you take that and you say, I am going to write a novel about a woman having sex with a bear. Like, yes. That is such a choice. Yeah, And points for Brave. I, I don't care how established she was as a writer. Like this, this couldn't have been one. Like she didn't go to her agent and say, hey, I would like to create the great Canadian bear sex novel and have him go, Hey, absolutely. I mean, this, this took a, a lot of determination and a lot of want to do it. Yeah. This was not a woman following trends going, <laughs> you know, what's hot right now? Bear sex, bear fucking that's hot right now. That I'm yeah. going to write one of those, you know, getting hopping on the bear fucking bandwagon. That's what I'm doing. Nope. She set out to do this. This was, her decision and what an extraordinary decision that was. So unsurprisingly, this novel was controversial when it came out. I, I, I th don't think I need to explain why, but it was also wildly popular when it came out. It, it made a massive sensation. It was a big seller. I mean, because everyone's going to talk about that. Like if, if this well-established, really prestigious literary writer today put out a book some kind of equivalent book, you better fucking believe everybody's going to start talking about it. If like Jonathan Franzen put out a book about having sex with llamas or something, we'd be like, what? Did you hear Jonathan Franzen's writing about fucking a llama? <laughs> he just wrote an entire book about some guy fucking a llama. Yeah, We got to read that shit, dude. Sense. Let's do it. We got to read this shit. What? Yeah. And I mean, it almost... I, I'm I'm gonna show my cards a little bit here. I, it the most frustrating thing for me about this book is that it 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 was good because I do have there there are some things that I strongly don't like about it. I think crossing of taboos is important, but I I think bestiality is a good one. I do think while this woman was not abusive to this bear, this bear was horrifically abused. 
in its life. The idea that it was chained up for most of its life. I mean, I, I had a little trouble getting past that to the next page when I figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like let's table that till a little bit later because of course, there, of course. there will be a section on bare consent discourse. Um, <laughs> we will have a discussion on bare consent discourse. We kind of have to. It's pretty important. But let's let's get into that a little bit later, a little bit more background about this book. It is inspired by a First Nations legend, the Bear Princess, and it is sprinkled with bits of bear folklore throughout the novel. I could not find the text of the Bear Princess legend, unfortunately. I, I, I didn't look very hard, I confess. I did not try that hard. So there's also another layer to this of, of a woman attempting to connect with nature, but also attempting to connect perhaps with indigenous spirituality. But what struck me so much about the book is, you know, I was expecting like Kindle porn or Chuck Tingle wackiness. And what I got was a surprisingly insightful kind of slow paced novel about a modern woman's alienation and the cleansing yet ultimately unknowable power of nature. Or, or there are other interpretations that I think we can get into later, possibly a really sharp, absolutely brutal satire about a goofy-ass white woman trying to commune with nature and trying to engage in indigenous culture in a very literal, very strange way. Yeah. And I mean, and there are, there are books you can read, of course, where there's the obvious intent of the author and then there's an interpretation you can do which sort of judges the author. I would say that this particular author was extremely aware of the levels that we're talking about here. Like this is not, uh, this doesn't seem out of bounds from a writing at all. Yeah, yeah. Like this this book, I mean, it, it could be just a very strange sort of romance novel, one of those many, many novels about someone commuting with nature and being born again and being cleansed. Or it could be a really sharp satire of that kind of novel and absolutely mocking the idea of how can you as this modern apartment dwelling settler think that you're going to fucking connect with nature? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like this. And, and what, like her, purification ritual was a was a rebuke right like one way to interpret it is like you know she reached out to nature for the big embrace and that nature was like fuck off yeah nature was like no means no i don't think so lady but we'll get to that a little bit later so summary of this book a lonely mousy librarian working for a local historical institute spends a summer in an isolated cabin on a little island or i guess technically a sandbar formerly owned by an important family and she's there to do research catalog the library see if the site can be declared some sort of historical site and maybe the cabin can be used as a meeting place for the institute or something and while she's there she finds that this house as it's been passed down through generation to generation, has always had a bear, a semi-tame bear. And there's a bear. And while she's there, she sparks up an unusual relationship with the house's pet bear, the semi-tame bear. She, I very carefully didn't clear my throat there, okay? <laughs> yeah, an unusual relationship. Now, she does, she does not sleep with the bear until halfway through. 
the book about. So if like that's what you're there for, you it, you, you will need some patience. And it, and it's really interesting because it's like obviously it's such a shocking thing, but it doesn't come that totally out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely sidles in that direction before it, before you get there. I guess. Yeah, which is which is interesting. Like it, 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 it you know, it's the serious novel, and when when the moment comes, obviously it is a bit shocking, but it's not at the same time like what this came out of nowhere. Like, yeah, okay, you could see it kind of going there. Yeah. Yeah, like gradually like, oh, in a is. in a way that worked in a way that made sense in terms of the narrative. So the I, and and in the course of this book, this relationship with the bear, in her mind anyway, purifies her and transform her and helps her achieve self actualization in a very seventies way. Yes, yes. The top of Maslow's hierarchy is, of course, bear cunnilingus. That's right, right. <laughs> and that is the next thing I had it in our outline. The question on everyone's mind, how does she have sex with a bear? And the answer is bear cunnilingus. Uh, bear nilingus. Um, <laughs> she really, she wants oh, to do bother. other kinds of, of bear sex. She really wants like P and V sex with the bear and it just simply does not happen. The bear is not interested in it. She tries like doing doggy style with the bear and the bear just instead just scratches her really, really hard. She tries like giving him a bear blow job and it just does not, it doesn't happen. You meant bear job, but. Uh, yeah, she tries giving him a bear job, but it's, it's no going. <laughs> He's not into it. So, so that, that is how, that is the answer. How I, I'm guessing Marion Engel put a lot of thought into bear anatomy. And this is like pre-internet, so I'm guessing like she had to go, she had to go to a library and like get assistance from a librarian, I guess, or I don't know, some, some sort of, she had a zoo, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mean, that would be a very awkward conversation with the zoologist. Yeah, nature documentaries, I don't know, but, but good on her for putting herself out there to make this book happen. Good on her for having a lack of shame enough to make this book possible in, in the 1970s pre-internet. So I, I do, I do appreciate that, like the amount of thought and effort and work, which brought us to this point, that was a, a Herculean attack on, on social constraints. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was thinking about where we're at and Earlier, you talked about how the self-actualization and how there's more than one interpretation. Is this where you want to talk a little bit about the other interpretations? Um, I think I think let's wait till a little bit later. Okay, a little of bit course. more. We do establish it a little bit better. But um, so let's talk a little bit about the bear since he's he's such he's the other major character in this book. His name is simply Bear. She calls him only Bear. He doesn't have a name. The bear is not hot. It is not a handsome bear. The bear is not anthropomorphized in any way. I don't know. He's semi-tame, but he's still very much a bear. He's not particularly snuggly. Yeah. There was one moment, and only one that I'm aware of, of anthropomorphization, which is when he's dancing. And right. she compared him to a child. Right. Yeah, he's lumbering awkwardly on his back feet, and she's has him as this dancing bear. Basically, she has her dancing bear, which oh, there's a lot of yeah. <laughs> a lot to say. Well, a lot to say in terms of symbolism, symbolism there, right? Like, yeah, the dancing well, bear thing. This is an inherently an unnatural thing. This is a woman trying to commune with nature in a way that is trying to civilize it and making it unnatural. And plus, 
you know, traditionally you got bears to dance by basically torturing them. Yeah. Well, it's like that. That's one of the moments where I got more comfortable with the novel because it, it was it was a very clear signal from the author that she regarded this as kind of fucked up, which yeah. is I, I needed that from her. Yeah. Like this is not a thing that a bear is meant to do. And on the one hand, she's in love with this bear, but she's trying to make it act more like a human. But it it's a bear. Yeah, I can change him. <laughs> yeah, I can change him. I can fix him. Like it, it's a bear. He is he is a bear. He's semi tame, but he's like not you know not anthropomorphized. He's not a, a dog fetching you the slippers and stuff. He's kind of just generally indifferent and vaguely indifferent to to most things because. He is a bear, which I think works to the strength of the novel. If it was like a cute sea bear who was friendly and like sitting across the table for her at, from her at breakfast, it would just be like, oh, God. Like he's not Winnie the Pooh or anything. Yes, which we can mention because he's public domain now. Yeah, he's public domain now. <laughs> but I should also um, – yeah, you've all but said it, but I do just want to call it out, is that the bear does not appear to be – particularly aroused by any of this sexual behavior like no the he's not is... really no yeah he's just he... he's just exploring and licking that's yeah being a bear yeah he he does not really under seem to understand what the deal is like the librarian uh lou she projects this immense complex contradictory emotion onto the bear and the bear is just a fucking bear he is he is just a bear he is yeah. not her bear husband. He is not her bear boyfriend. He he is just a bear. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't play much into the book, but he's a bear with very limited life experiences. Grew up around humans, spent most of the time in the backyard. I mean, in some ways, he's not really a bear either because he right. hasn't had the bear experience. And like, that's the part that gets me fussy, but I'll shut up about that for now. Cause I, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say how much of that is like just the seventies being the seventies. And like, right. I, I kind of get the feel people were a little less great about animal abuse, animal rights. This was still the era of like, no, put your dog or cat outside for the night, you know, in the, yeah. in the fucking zero degree weather. Like, no, that's fine. He's got a little tiny unheated dog house. He'll be fine. Like, yeah. They, they give him dog food. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I, 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 I think you're right. I mean, uh, I also think that the big, uh, like she, she loaded up this tattoo in her gun. You, you know what I mean? Like one of the big things that makes this book work is the use of the taboo to shock and explore. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving ahead too fast. But what, I guess what I will say is that there's a lot of ta taboos that that warrant deep exploration and rejection. I'm not sure this is one of them. Not sure this was in particular a woman bear sex was a was a taboo that we just needed to explore as a society. Yeah, like yeah, we, I mean, we got to get to the bottom of this this specific <laughs> thing. I mean, like the fundamental injustice to people. Not allowing them to explore bare sexuality is just, you know, it's, it's, it's time has come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Oh God. It is such, I don't know. It's so, I feel like the fact that the, pro, uh, the protagonist is a woman, like you have to, you couldn't, you could not do like an opposite sex 
girl bear and human man. People would just be like, fuck this book. This is horrible. I hate yeah. this guy. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it would, wouldn't make any sense at all in terms of traditional male-female roles. Like, is is he supposed to roughly embrace the, you know, like, fu- fundamentally, this this bear... Yeah, I, like I like now I'm thinking about mechanics and I shouldn't be doing that. What you know what's really fascinating about this? You and I in in different venues have discussed and examined dozens, possibly hundreds of books. And I think this is the first one where I've gone through it with another professional and regularly giggled. I mean, you kind of you 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 have to a little bit. I mean, Plus, you were listening to the audiobook, which is, oh my which is a brave choice. Yeah, so so let, let me talk about a couple of problems with that. Is one, I typically take my dogs, I take my dogs on about three and a half hours worth of walks a day, and I listen to audiobooks while I do that. So like I'm wandering around in the neighborhood with people who know me with bear cunnilingus coming through my phone. <laughs> And the other thing I want to mention is that one of my dogs, Chewy, the big one, we nickname him Bear. And so, so I'm sitting, you know, I'll be sitting on my couch listening to some of this and I'll look over at Chewy and he's looking at me and I'm like, I'm going to the other room, man. Don't look at me right now, dog. <laughs> it's not about you, okay? Dog's ears are pricking. <laughs> you got headphones on, but he can still hear it. Dogs have good hearing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He knows everything going on in the house. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's mortifying. So this book hits <laughs> close to home to, for you. It, yeah, yeah. There, there, were, there were a couple of moments where it, it hit nearer to my house than I would have preferred. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because for me, I just found it like an interesting book. For for you, I, I get the feeling that talking about it with you, you were like, this made you profoundly uncomfortable in it, some ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say... Animal abuse probably isn't the most pressing issue facing our civilization right now. Like case in point, it's falling apart, but it it really does bother me. And even even the appearance of animal animal abuse gets me a little touchy. And so, like it, that was a lens I had to keep consciously putting down so I could keep going through this. Right, right, yeah. Because for me, it was just purely an abstraction. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, I, I mean, I, like, I don't think Marion Engel condones the things that are happening in this book. I think it's an in, in intellectual and an artistic exercise, like somewhat like a Renaissance artist painting a picture of, of Zeus disguised as a swan raping a human woman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it is important to concede here that the events in this book did not happen, right? right. I mean, it, it's it's one thing for me to be worked up and bothered about some of the things that happened here, but it's just a description of those things, and like that's an emotional reaction. That's your gorge rising. If if you're trying to understand a book, you got to move past it. So I I have tried. I don't think I'm a hundred percent there, but like certainly far enough that I can say that this is well written. For example. Yeah, I, I think I'm coming. I think I'm coming to it differently too. Just because, like, how many novels have I read where the central relationship is between a man and a woman, and it is uh, problematic by present day standards? Okay. Yes. <laughs> where like, oh, oh, he's in love with his thirteen year old cousin. Okay, we're supposed to root for this. I, I guess this will happen now. All right, that's that's fine. Like you kind of get used to it after a while. So I'm just like, 
yeah, okay, a lady's going to have sex with a bear. All right. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, at that point, we have to talk about the elephant that is always in the room, which is uh, in this culture, different genders are going to be affected by certain things in different ways, and or right. at least that's common. And this book is very much about a woman trying to connect to something in the modern era era <laughs> wow there's a freudian slip and i mean honestly i i feel like you get a head start on that i don't know how to put it better i mean the the portrayal of the protagonist's alienation and how she's in her 20s but she's realizing that her life has not been what it is meant to be She's living like a mouse, but she's not really meant to be a mouse. And she's becoming aware of the fact that like, oh, fuck, this dreariness, this this is what my life actually is. Oh, shit. I found that extremely compelling. And before she gets to the cabin, very relatable in some ways. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I would say like, I I mean, I, I looked at that and said, yeah, wow, that sounds that sounds terrible. And I, I think uh, I think it resonated with you better is a good way of saying it. Right. Like it definitely did resonate with me, this this portrayal of a modern woman's loneliness and dissatisfaction with uh, modern society, with modern sexuality, with, with modern work and, and everything. Yeah. I just – I did find that extremely, extremely compelling and I was really surprised to find that – the first half of this book is devoted to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really I'd say the last, most of the last 10% too. Yeah. 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 It's, and like, I, I was think I was actually, I was talking to my mother about this book earlier, which, which was very brave. I'm proud of myself. My God. But, but one of the things <laughs> she said about this was, well, if that's what it's about, why did she pick the bear? Hmm. And I mean, on one level, it's like, well, she picked it because she's an author and she made stylistic choices and I'm not an author, so I should shut my pie hole. But I think exploring why sort of, I mean, it makes some sense here. Like you, she could have done a rich novel about uh, women's alienation without bringing bear cunnilingus into it. So what does the bear right. cunnilingus add? Right, right. I mean, part of it was just, there were so many 70s novels about breaking taboos and breaking sexual taboos and 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 sexual exploration. So I think it does fit into that milieu a lot. And also a lot of 70s novels about women finding themselves and 70s novels about communing with nature and, and finding yourself an indigenous spirituality. And maybe that was... Er I mean, depending on your reading, maybe this is Engel's way of really standing out and throwing something uh, extra spicy into the mix. But like a bear, I, I, I mean, part of the reason she chose a bear was because of its many associations in folklore. Well, and I mean, it, it wouldn't work as much with a wolf, horse. I think. Yeah, like a wolf or, has or a just squirrel. Yeah, a squirrel <laughs> or an elk or something. Like they just have extremely different connotations and and different ideas and and plus because because a bear is like a hunter animal it, it, it's this dangerous thing it, it wouldn't be the same if she had sex with a white-tailed deer yeah. or a moose or something 
I'm desperately <laughs> trying not to visualize. The cover, Moose oh, by Marion Engel. <laughs> and it still has that same 70s, like, dramatic romance hand-painted cover. Oh, her, her arms are backs splayed around the antlers. The one of the one of the mysteries of the novel isn't important from the novel's point of view, but it was tremendously important to me, which is, you know, the 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 First Nations woman who looks after the bear, who's like a hundred years old. Right. At when she is talking to uh, Lou in here, she's I mean, it it felt like a, a guy at the bar going wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She's like, you know, it's a good bear. It's a real good bear. Yeah. Like I keep wondering, cause she really wants that bear back at the end of it. Like, is she also fucking the bear? Yes. I like, mean, I she? really, I, it, it felt like it. And, like, is this and, her bear husband? Cause the bear, like the bear knows what to do. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he figures it out real quick. <laughs> I'm going to say he figures it out better than most human males do. Way better. I I would like to say I appreciate very much you saying this rather than, oh my God, Pete, what are you talking about? I didn't see that at all, which would have been an incredible own at this point. Oh, absolutely, because she's really anxious to get that bear back at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like the emphasis on the bear being good just, I it felt a little out of place or something. Yeah, yeah, like she, like they're they're looking for a thruple or something, or they have like, <laughs> like the bear, like Lou and the bear are gonna sit down and play Settlers of Catan or something before they oh, get yeah. going. Or it's like the 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 First Nations woman and you know wanders over. It's like yeah, me me and my bear were watching you from across the room. I dig your vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she like visits the bear too once during the summer and is hanging out with the bear and is like giving her tips on how to get the bear to like her. Like make sure you take a dump next to the bear in the morning to gain his respect. Like yeah. you didn't need to do that. If they had just had sort of a distant relationship where, you know, Lou just fed him every day, that would have been perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you would have ended up with something a little more like Walden. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am so glad you brought that up because that was my question, too. Yeah, it, it just it landed wrong or, or possibly right. You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, so um, what? What's how do you, where, how do you find a segue after that? I don't even know. I well, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, it just feels like a wall. Maybe, maybe we could talk about Homer. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Homer is this outdoorsy campground maintainer, shop owner guy that, that Lou briefly hooks up with in the novel because it's a 70s novel, so you got to sleep with somebody married. You gotta, so an affair must be had. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was certainly the most upfront affair I've encountered in a while. I mean, you know, it's like, hey, I'm I'm sleeping around with my wife, and she probably knows it. And the thing that bothers me is that I'm away from the house, not that I'm here with you. I brought you some rum. Let's go. You know that. Yeah, was pretty much. Yeah. 
you're you're a girl in your twenties, all isolated, and I'm I'm a dude. So hey, here we go. I am interested, of course. You know, <laughs> I I would say that what keeps him from just being a cad to me was he was extremely upfront. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, I I I did like that. I felt that was pretty unusual for a '70s novel. I think if he was written by a guy, it might have been a oh god. We go back to this 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 novel being written by a guy is almost oh as god. bad as Lou oh, being no. a guy. Yeah. It, yeah, it would be it would be a fucking disaster. It, oh. This book had to be written by a woman. I'm just, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Homer, and and I mean, he is very like of his time. So yeah, he does pinch her ass at some point, but again, 1970s, plus he's a bit older than her, so he was born in the generation when that is normal, and his thinking is, look, a woman invited me to her isolated cabin, I'm, I'm gonna shoot my shot, man. Yeah, yeah, what do you think's gonna happen? Yeah, pretty, which, which I know is like highly problematic by present day standards, but again, 1970s, there it is. Yeah. Also, I do think it's the way she's managing his emotions- too like when she's trying to let him down gently and trying to figure out the right thing to say to him that doesn't make him angry and it, it just does strike she's a woman dealing with a man who ha- who wants something very physical and almost feral and she's he's bigger than her and she's trying to navigate this in a way of like avoiding angering the beast and it it, it does almost feel a little bit parallel in a way to like her relationship with the bear you know, Thank and that it's like this bigger, that. hairier thing that you need to learn how to deal with because it can fuck you up real bad. I, you know, it's, well, it's, it's probably not interesting, but it's interesting to me. Like I, I sort of flagged that section and those discussions in my head as there being something more there, but I didn't make the connection that now that you've said it feels obvious to me. Like she was very concerned about consequences and she was being exactly as delicate with him as he as she was with bear yeah pretty much Ugh. so you can almost see it in a way it's like well if that's how i gotta if that's the normal way that i have to deal with men like is it that different yeah, yeah well which answers one of the questions i had is what what kind of a lunatic would get that close to a 600 pound murder machine and I mean, the answer is she regularly gets close to 200 pound murder machines. It's just yeah, a question of scale. Right. And at least that one is tamed and has a chain on it. So yeah. <laughs> Obey so fuck it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, because bears are a very masculine animal, you know, they're, they're like, they can stand on their hind legs. They're hairy. They're big. We know what the word bear is slang for in the gay community. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, we haven't mentioned it. We probably should. To the people listening to this, don't try this at home. Yeah. Bears are not safe. Yeah. The Right Good podcast officially does not endorse bestiality or particularly human bear sex. Do not do this. Do not attempt this. If you do attempt this, don't blame it on us. We told you not to do it. We warned you. Don't fuck a bear. Don't fuck literally a bear. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Don't, don't fu- the 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 slang word for hairy gay man. That's okay. That's cool. yeah. Yeah. But but that. like that's actual cool. ursine claws like daggers. It's not worth your time. Yeah. The the kind that steals picnic baskets. Don't don't <laughs> do that. The kind that swipes its paw into beehives to get honey. Don't just don't. Not yeah, even yeah. once. Hangs out with Piglet and Eeyore. Bad yeah. idea. Yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, so she does have her obligatory affair with Homer, but it's not that exciting to her. Yeah. Just, yeah, okay, it just happens, and there it goes. It it doesn't change her, it doesn't thrill her the way that the bear does. Yeah, it has the sort of the same level of emotional involvement as her trying to guard. Yeah. Yeah, just basically, well, now I, I guess it's time to sleep with Homer now. Yeah. Maybe that's why the bear, too, just because... It's so different from compulsory heterosexuality. Like, you're going to sleep with a man because you're you're supposed to do that. There it is. And the attitude, there's a bit where she talks about what frustrated her about men is that they assume that women don't have eroticism and that um, it's just this sense of, okay, well, it, it's time to do this. And it's like, it's it's never compulsory to have sex with a bear. Yeah. There's zero obligation. There's never a sense that you owe the bear this. So for her, it's this amazing taboo and, and this thing that breaking the taboo is the excitement because it's not something that anybody expects her to do. And it's not something that she is obligated to do or anything that she, someone that her role in society is supposed to be. And there's sort of an inversion here in that the bear is completely uninterested in sex. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, I, I mean, in, in, in some ways it, it sort of is a power reversal, reversal for her. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, in, in that light, I can see the appeal. Like, she frequently harks back to other relationships that she's had, and they all sound dreadful and transactional. Yeah, there's she's sleeping with the director of the institute on her desk. And she says that he's barely interested in it either, but it's mentioned several times that while she spends way more time out at the institute and or out at the cabin and away from the institute, he is writing her letters that sound very impatient. He wants her back really, really badly, even though their their sex just feels really joyless and compulsory, at least to her. She mentions inviting a man in off the street and in, you know, as a lark and him turning out to be not a nice man at all and that's about all the description we we get of it but you can fill in the gaps yeah or the uh rich genteel dude who basically throws her over for someone more compliant right right all of her previous relationships are really unsatisfying where she feels like she's being used or taken advantage of or, or objectified in some way so in some way so here she's she's turning it around and having sex with something that literally is subhuman. Yeah. It is a beast. It is not a person. But of course, she projects all of these humanistic ideas onto the bear. Like, there's this passage. Hold on, let me find it. Let's see. Bear, take me to the bottom of the ocean with you. Bear, swim with me. Bear, put your arms around me and close me. Swim down, down, down with me. Bear, make me comfortable in the world at last. Give me your skin. Bear, I want nothing but this from you. Oh, thank you, Bear. I will keep you safe from strangers and peering eyes forever. Bear, give up your humility. You are not a humble beast. You think your own thoughts. Tell them to me. Bear, I cannot command you to love me, but I think you love me. What I want is for you to continue to be and to be something to me. No more. Bear. So she's putting all of this on a bear that literally does not understand what is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wouldn't be interested if he did, as far as we can tell. Yeah. I um, mean, if, given the opportunity, I'm sure he'd prefer a bear lady, a lady bear. Yeah. 
I uh, one thing I did I've I've neglected to mention that I just want to slip in here really quickly is when you're listening to the audio audiobook of this, it, it's definitely recorded by by Canadians there. Nice. So, yes. Yes. So so it's like a, as I approached the bear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it works. Oh God, I'm so happy. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. So are we at bear consent? Yeah, let's have bear consent discourse. Let's okay. do it. Well, I there's a level at which I'm not sure that a bear can consent to a relationship to a human because it doesn't have I mean it does it, it does it doesn't understand all the wants and needs and expectations and all of that. So it just it fundamentally feels like this animal can't consent to what's going on. But I think there's a good counter-argument, which is that when she starts doing things that he doesn't want, he kicks her ass. Oh, yeah. He beats the shit out of her. Yeah. He slashes her up really bad and leaves a huge scar, like, going all up and down her back. Yeah. So, like, on the one hand, I regard what she did as a little bit, well, as a little bit, as quite out of bounds. Like, leave the goddamn bear alone. Right. But... In terms of the people who have had a negative impact on her on the bear's life, she is way down the list. I mean mm-hmm. that that bear was chained as a cub in the backyard and has been there for decades. Right. And it, it's kind of hard to look at her as the source of the problem once I move past my emotional reaction to to the bestiality happening at all. Right, right. Oh, what do you think? I feel like I'm just. Uh, being a guy at you here <laughs> i mean i'm thinking of i was just thinking of the book purely in terms of literary exercise and not necessarily thinking in terms of bare consent discourse as i was reading it <laughs> it's fair it's fair honestly you know when connor was on uh Podside picnic one of his chief criticisms of me was that i would always take a book and try and drag it down into message and sometimes that's not the best vein to explore a book yeah I, I mean again this is like it's a different era and you could just sort of write that kind of stuff and people wouldn't get into discourse you, you just didn't it was the 70s no one gave a shit you could you could have a rape scene and people would just be like yeah it happened there it is yeah i mean well, it happened in more 80s too blade runner happen. too like there is a rape scene in blade runner and it's just kind of like okay yeah yeah, and I mean, like, I'd forgotten about it entirely until you mentioned it. Yeah, and then you see it again, and you're like, oh, whoops. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, well, I mean, it's still a good movie, so. Uh, I mean, part of it is different time, and there's also there's also another reading about it that I think ties to bare consent discourse, which is, I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit, like, this is a novel about a woman who's, you know, moder- modern alienation and loneliness, and she's reconnecting with nature, in a very uh, strange way. So the the book could work on that level, but I do think there's a reading of it really strongly suggested by the text, but not overtly, and that speaks to the strength of Marian Engel's writing, that it is a novel satirizing the idea of a modern city-dwelling white Canadian woman trying to return to nature, trying to connect with nature, trying to to connect with indigenous spirituality because i mean at at this time and and still of course like how many clueless white people in in 
office jobs try to go to weekend retreats in, in, the, in the forest and do a sweat lodge and bang a drum and do this really fake, crappy, watered-down version of, of indigenous spirituality and on an overpriced weekend retreat to like try to try to, you know, self-actualize and blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. maybe it's kind of about that. And and it's not so much about like, my gosh, look at this, look at this amazing taboo. There could be a level of it where it's like, okay, you know what? Some modern white Canadian trying to like go native and, and, and commune with nature. It's like, what, you're going to fuck a bear? Come on. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to, what do you, what do you think you're doing? And, and, and I think that there's a lot of, to support this reading, like the fact that she puts all of these emotions she projects so much onto this bear and the bear is just indifferent to her most of the time she is a food source and sometimes she'll take him swimming and that's pretty much it he he's not her boyfriend he's a bear and while trying to connect with nature she's connecting with nature in this very way that's tame and kind of abused and and very restrained. She's not connecting with wild nature. She's not connecting with unrestrained nature. She is connecting with a semi-tame bear yeah. that has a chain around its neck. Yeah, she's at a rated our petting zoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that is another feature of like, oh, we're going to get away from civilization. We're going camping. It's like, well, you're going to a campground. Yeah, that's not the same thing. Yeah, um, and 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 it's nice to go camping, but it's you're not like that. That's not exi That's no, <laughs> it's not really that wild. Well, what's interesting about this interpretation of the work is it kind of makes me more sympathetic to Lou because, like, she is she is really lost in the metaphorical woods here. Like her her life is meaningless by her own standards and there doesn't seem to be any way out and like chasing this false path to try and become more at terms with herself is i mean that's heart-wrenching right like how bad is your romantic life when you decide you're gonna fuck a bear oh exactly when like a bear is the best relationship you've ever had <sighs> shit's not going good and and I mean, that scene where she tries to like have penetrative sex with the bear, doggy style the bear and the bear rejects her. She's sincerely trying to connect with nature here. And it's like, no, it's not happening. Yeah, you can't you can't do it this way. You know, first of all, you can't do it in this specific, particularly weird way you've chosen. And also like you're a human. You are a creature of civilization. You were born in a hospital. I'm sorry. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is not for you. <sighs> right. And I'm also thinking because a lot of these novels and a whole lot of these novels about communing with nature and, and connecting with indigenous spirituality, there usually is a human character who is a stand-in for communing with nature. Maybe it's a hunky park ranger or something, or very, very often in a lot of these really bad novels from back in the day, it's some like... It, if it's written by a man, it's it's some some beautiful First Nations woman who falls hopelessly in love with the white guy, and then he probably doesn't marry her. He probably leaves her, and then goes and marries a white lady or something. But like, yeah. oh, by fucking this person who who is a stand-in for nature and barely treated like a person by the narrative, you've really connected with spirituality. You're you're a true Navi now. Yeah, welcome you know? to the spirit of the woods, buddy. <laughs> right, right, and in this, she's. It's like, okay, you're going to objectify 
this type of character so much why not just full-on make them not human yeah. Like, why not full on make them literally an animal? Okay, you want to you want to have a sexual relationship that symbolizes connecting with nature? Let's fucking go for it. Let us crank it up to eleven. Yeah, and and I mean, it, it's hard it's hard for me to really say which uh, which falls closest to author's intent because I really it it sort of feels like to me that she felt both things. Yeah, on the one hand, it could be sincere, or on the other hand, this could just be about a crazy woman projecting shit onto a bear. It could be, like, Bear Lolita. Yeah. You know, this could be Bear Lita, <laughs> where, <laughs> with Humbert Humbert going, in my arms, she was always Lolita. Oh my god. <laughs> where it's like, this is just a bear that she's decided to sleep with, and she is seeing it as this spiritual cleansing life-changing event and he's just a fucking bear man he don't, he don't know what's going on at the end where they're leading the bear away the bear's not like sad the bear's not like no i miss you lou don't leave me he's just like okay yeah i'm going now whatever going with these people yeah so long it's i guess i'm glad i read it i mean <laughs> In in the in that I must concede it is a good book and it's one that's gotten a lot of attention. I would say that I I prefer I prefer my discomfort to be matched with more personal growth that I got out of this particular yeah. novel. I mean, she does have some personal growth at the end. She realizes I need to leave my shitty job. Yeah, she she feels she feels a little more self actualized and. But then again, like that is a really small change, isn't it? Realizing like, yeah, I'm going to leave. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go work somewhere else. It's yeah. not that big. I, I mean, I've I've made that decision with much less lead up time. Yeah, much less dramatic events leading to that. Yeah. Which, again, I think supports the reading of this is just this is satirical because like how many people go on these weekend spirituality cleansing retreats and the entire purpose is not really it, it doesn't transform you it's just like oh maybe i will apply for that promotion that's where you get out of it that's what you yeah. got out of communing with the great spirit supposedly that's what well, you got out of it and that's what they want yeah and and that's all she really wanted was like i guess i'll get a better job yeah okay yeah i mean I, I, I guess we're all following our own paths, but J Jesus, there was room for a big revelation here. Yeah, and, and the fact it was so small, but it is treated as big. Yeah. It's written in a way that's so beautiful and lyrical and stirring. What, what it comes down to is some very, very minor changes. She lost a couple of pounds, and she's going to quit her job. So, I, I mean... It makes me wonder if it was intended, maybe it's the we're in a different time thing again. Like, maybe this is a, a, a braver thing to do in 1970. Yeah, like, that could be it, too. I mean, 1970s readers didn't have consent discourse. They didn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the response to a lot of the burning questions I had was, shut up, it's a bear. Right. <laughs> like, man, it's not real. It's a book, man. Yeah. Chill out. It's fine. Well, and and the, the 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 frustrating thing about that response is it's absolutely true. I mean, I mean, yeah, it it could just be a level a sincere romance novel about a woman sleeping with a bear. 
or yeah. it could be this other level on top of it where it, there's this gentle mockery. Because, I mean, where is she? Lou is a settler and she's in a settler's home. Yeah. So it's like you're trying you're trying to settle the you're trying to get away from civilization, but you've effectively brought it with you because yeah. that's what you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, she she couldn't even grow her own food. Right. She couldn't fucking garden. She was eating like bologna sandwiches and canned beans. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I I feel like I've dumped most of my thoughts on the table. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about the novel. It is a very short novel. It is a slim novel. My copy, how many? My copy is 122 pages long. So it's a quick read. It's very quick. I guess, would you recommend this book? In my case, I unironically would. I think it's beautifully written. I think it's fascinating. I think it's a really, really, really interesting book. And if you've read that, uh, read that screenshotted Tumblr post and had a laugh, like, no, for real, fucking read it. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm going to get myself canceled again for condoning this book. Well, it, would, I I mean, it, it won't be the last time. I mean, yeah, uh, again, I, I think I would have to be very cautious about who I recommended it to. Like, I, I think, um, th- this is not going to be high on my everybody should read list. Yeah. But I, I mean, I could see, um, there's a friend of mine, uh, Jackie Jones, who runs a, uh, oh, this is going to sound wrong, but, she, but she runs, uh, Sugar in Baltimore, the, the, the sex shop. And oh, nice. she's, I mean, she, she, her, uh, women's studies background, very interested in the issues, very interested in the history of this sort of writing. I definitely recommend it to her because mm. like she, it's a deeper well for her than it would be for like, I, I don't know that I'd tell Carlo to read this. <laughs> you know, I just, I think he'd be like, why did you do this to me? You know, and I'd be <laughs> like, well, I thought it was funny, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I'll be honest. I started reading it as a bit or just as a lark and I'm like, no, I actually kind of like this book. I genuinely do. Yeah. When, when I was about halfway through of it, I started, you know, texting you real concerns. Um, (laughs) I'd say I'm in a, in a better place now than I was then. Right. Because I, I felt like, like what was going on wasn't necessarily embraced as a good thing, which made it made it a little easier for me. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's very difficult to argue that this isn't a good book by most rule, you know, rulers that you'd use. But I, um, I, I can think of a lot of books I'd rather read for fun. Yeah, <laughs> but I think a book is re- worth reading, even if it might make you uncomfortable, just as I mean, art sometimes makes us uncomfortable. Yeah, well, and I don't think a, that Marion Engel sincerely condones bestiality. Right. <laughs> One of my favorite books is Naked Lunch. Oh and, my god! Right. It's 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 fucking horrific on just about every level, and that's why I like it. I mean, because it is it is so far off my path, and I mean. Bear isn't quite as far off my path, but it is off my path, man. And on that level, I'm very glad I read it. It, it was a it was a challenge, and it was it was well done. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, read Bear maybe, or or yeah. don't. You know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what to do. It's your life. But uh, 
it is it is worth a look. I I think it is absolutely worth a read um, if you're looking for something that is definitely unusual and that explores taboos in a really graceful lyrical way. Um, it is more than just a joke book. It, it, it this is not a Chuck Tingle novel. It is a really surprising and astonishing book, and I kind of get why it won that literary award. Yeah, I get it. If I was on the committee, I'd be like, yeah, I would vote for this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's on, on two levels. One from quality and the other is from a marketing level. It was the the right thing to do, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else left to say about Bear? I'm, I'm out of thoughts. <laughs> out of thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's a slim book, so there's only so much time we can spend really talking about it. And we have been talking for about an hour. So why don't we wind it down? Where can our listeners find and support your work? Oh, well, after taking a, uh, a hiatus, I am back and active on Podside Picnic. So that's uh, Podside Picnic on Patreon, or you can just Google it and find your options, honestly. We talk to science fiction authors. We read books and watch movies primarily for enjoyment but you know we explore the writing side of things as well i think i think we're the the higher sugar version of right good is one way to say it (laughs) (laughs) but you do you do get in on it like your i loved your uh episode about the hugo short fiction uh, slate i i know that that you weren't in on that but i really liked it and it's really good to hear people talking about contemporary sff in a way that's not just fanish that's not just here i'm promoting work like no we're really actually going to examine it and think about it yeah i i i i agree i think one of the changes that's been happening to podside under carlo's direction has been a more rigorous and serious approach to criticism and writing and i i think that's very welcome because fundamentally what i am is an extremely well-read fan and there's a place for that yeah but it's 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 good it's good to sharpen your teeth a little too. Yeah, it is, and I think it because so many sites, so many publications have just become basically a PR wing for some kind of media company. I I think there's a really strong need to have this kind of more rigorous criticism and examination of writing in a way that's not just. I'm going to help sell this book or, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I'm so excited. Consume products. Don't think, get excited, consume more products. Sure. And it's really, really good to see that because I I think as unpleasant as it might be to have those I, for, well, not to me, but for, for, for writers who are not very good at writing, ooh, this, um, I think it overall makes the writing scene better. Because if you're having these conversations, if you're having critical conversations, then maybe it forces you to write a little better. (laughs) No, I think that's absolutely legit. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that is all for this very unusual episode. Thanks to all of you who made this possible. It is your fault, not mine. Well, it's all our fault. But thank you for being complicit. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing good. This has been Write Good with Raquel S. Benedict. Hosted by Raquel S. Benedict and produced by Matt Keeley for KS Media LLC. Theme song by Surgery Head. This has been a Kitty Sneezes production. For comments and concerns, please write to us at writegood at kittysneezes.com. 
That is R-I-T-E-G-U-D at kittysneezes.com. If you'd like to support us, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash writegood. kittysneezes.com in color. <laughs>